The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It's that time of the year again when we are thinking about warmer climates and getting on a plane. I see Joanne McNally was in Africa on safari. Eleanor, it's not something I'd ever think of and now I just want to go and do that. It looked amazing. (laughs) Maybe you can help me with that. And that is Eleanor Roach. She's a travel counsellor based in Waterford. She's part of travelcounsellors.ie and she joins me this morning to give us some inspiration for 2023 holidays and talk about all things holiday trends. You're very welcome to the Sunday Grill. Thanks so much, Orla. Delighted to be here. It's lovely to have you here in studio is there such a thing as travel trends yeah absolutely I mean post Covid the word that no one wants to Mm. mention um, prices for one have definitely gone up right Um, between the fuel crisis the demand you know the airlines coming back up to um, how much they would have Mm. been doing um, the prices have definitely gone up but we are seeing generally also our average booking value is going up regardless of that so what does that mean you're seeing people the average amount people are spending on ah, their holidays okay. is going up either way. Okay. So people are, are coming along kind of saying, I'm going to do that bucket list trip that mm. I mightn't have ever did otherwise. Mm. Uh, and then certain destinations are, are trending as well. And so what are they? Yeah, the US is really, really popular at the minute, even okay. with the dollar being um, quite strong, especially with families. You're seeing a lot coming along wanting to do Orlando and, and potentially a cruise. Uh, but I also get couples, um, friends, you know, wanting to go over and, and do a couple of locations. Uh, you mentioned Safari. South Africa is one of our biggest sellers okay. and I suppose is going on the up and up all the time. Uh, really popular, lots to do, really great for food and wine if you're tempted um, and then you'll have great value in other destinations like Mauritius uh, we're seeing a lot for Thailand and mm-hmm. funnily enough a family or even a couple could get Thailand for the same price as what Greece might end up wow. uh, costing them okay. um, so yeah hu- huge demand you know yeah. record breaking so far in, in January Are there influencers involved in that now I see people going to the Maldives yeah. all the time and suddenly yes. I want to be in the Maldives Maldives has historically probably been one of our, our best seller locations for honeymoons. Yes. Um, I was at a wedding fair at the weekend and, and I'd say every second person uh, was inquiring about the Maldives. I mean, it's easy to see why it's 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 paradise if, if that's what you're looking for. Yeah, paradise. But I want a little bit more than paradise. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's an, an island to chill out and I'm not very good at chilling. So three days and I'd be like, get me off this island. I suppose that's the joy of it, that we would link it in with other destinations that uh, you could do. You mm. could end there from doing a more active honeymoon before it and just use it as your, your chill at the end then. Are you a bit of a traveller yourself? Do you like going to different countries? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Is this how yeah. you got into this business? Yeah, so I, I was a chartered accountant, funnily enough, and uh, just always had it in my head. Um, I would have planned all our own trips. We did a couple of, you know, bigger. We did six week uh, trips to Asia, things like that. And I would have planned them start to finish and just got it in my head. So uh, Travel Counselors Ireland have an academy program where they take individuals who are, are suitable, obviously, mm. uh, and completely transform them then into a travel agent, uh, despite not, I suppose, having the sales background mm. for it. Um, so I started in 2019, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hit the ground running completely and uh, then, yeah, it was reversed for a couple of years. Wow. But um, I have to say the commitment and everything that all my colleagues and our head office sh- showed throughout, you know, has really bounced us back now. And, you know, 
on the up the whole time and I, I just love it. Uh, yeah, because there really <clears> wasn't a coffee truck version of going on holidays. No, during the there pandemic. wasn't. It was just done. I know Ireland is lovely, but I don't think a staycation is, is no. it's quite the same. Yeah, true. And So you're really seeing people are doing those bucket lists. 100 percent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's your dream holiday? Have you been on your dream holiday? I have been on a few of my dream holidays. So uh, we did a, a good bit around Asia. Cruise is my favourite. And I would probably come back to that. Okay, so. Yeah, because I don't really get a cruise. So we'll <laughs> I'll have you convinced. Okay. Uh, I, I've done a, a good few cruises. I, I've cruised in the Caribbean, uh, in Europe and in and in Asia as oh, well. Okay. Uh, but top of my book list would be South Africa. We were a COVID wedding casualty. So we, did, we didn't get to go yet. Okay. Uh, but yeah, no, we will. And it, it's so popular. You know, you have... Cape Town, which is just so varied in what you could do. Mm. You could spend a week there mm. out to the winelands and take a tram around all the vineyards. Uh, along the really scenic garden route, you can drive it and then, you know, finish with the safari. And what a way to finish. Mm. And you could still go on somewhere for your beach then if you want to afterwards. How amazing. Now, are, do you find that people come to you with their own ideas? Because we've heard <coughs> about new destinations opening up. Do people come with their own ideas of where they'd like to go to? Or are you more tailoring for them with your own experience? I kind of get a mix of everything. So I suppose we're we're essentially the same as a high street travel agent from the point of view of the product that we have on offer. Uh, but it's a little bit of a twist. So we're uh, self-employed and we work from home, always have. Mm-hmm. That enables us, I suppose, to talk to people evenings, weekends, you know, a singular point of contact. But it's all about a personal relationship with our clients. Um, so we'd specialise in, you know, the more complicated, the bigger decision holidays, you know, the honeymoons, the long haul. Um, and I would have nearly an equal mix of people going, here's what I like, but I don't know where that is. Mm-hmm. But also here's where I'm thinking of, but I don't know where to start. Okay. Um, so we kind of narrow it down from there. And I mean, we touch every corner of the world uh, nearly on a daily basis. I, I'm all over the world where I'm looking at for people. And are there some really unusual destinations that you've sent people to? I haven't sent, well, I had people in, in Kenya, uh, like okay. Joanne McNally, actually, uh, last year. I've had people as far as Vietnam, New Zealand, wow. uh, then your your more known destinations, as phone like New York, Cancun, island hopping in Greece, cruises everywhere. Uh, it's this year now I'll really start to see people getting off to all of the destinations since, you know, the world is much more opened up and... Um, IATA, who are the International Air Transport Association, have actually said that this summer they expect flights to be back uh, operating just as much as 2019. So, you know, the demand is there. It's building up, but uh, I think we can only go onwards and upwards from here, pun intended. Now, we've done far flung (coughs) destinations. What about Europe? Where is popular at the moment in Europe then? Greece and Italy. Greece uh, is a funny one. It really has yeah. become a buzzword for people. Hundred percent. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, I only yesterday I sent out some island hopping itineraries. It's so so popular. I think it offers people the nice mix of, you know, you can start with a city break in Athens. You can mm. then go to the known islands like Santorini and maybe the lesser known smaller islands in between, and you can nearly even finish in the likes of Crete and do your more typical resort uh, style holiday. Mm. Italy has always been popular. Our one of our best sellers always in our top 10 every year is Spain. We see that includes the Canary Islands. So your year round kind of destination. Sun. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. And then when you said you're doing packages for people in Greece, 
Are you, you know, when I think of island topping, I think of like being in my 20s and buying a train ticket and then buying this. You do everything for them. One stop shop. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Travel agent in your pocket is how I've heard it described okay. before. So. Almost like cheating, but I'm OK with that. Yeah. <laughs> so you're getting them the ferry time, telling them where they go, how they get there. Yeah. And, yeah. Okay, their their hotels, excursions if they want to do them, their travel insurance, their flights, their transfers. Um, start to finish yeah and if it's honeymoon then as well we, you know we'll contact all of the hotels generally we'll contact the hotels you know to reconfirm bookings things like that but honeymoon we'd have a lot of hotels who would do something a little bit special then okay. not guaranteed of course you can never guarantee anything terrible FOMO do you? <laughs> I, my partner comes home and I'm always saying I want to go here you know I'm not an outdoorsy person at all and one day you come up and go to Norway that's, that's what's on my list now I just get sucked in okay let's yeah. convince me about cruises okay what, do you, what is it about cruises for you? I went on my first cruise, I think it was about eight, nine years ago now, and immediately just fell in love with it. Um, first and what brought off, you on that first cruise? Because it would take a lot of convincing for me to go on a cruise. Yeah, and it was at a time where I didn't really see any younger people, to be honest, mm. from Ireland going on them. It is mm. huge in the US, a long time. Uh, my partner had gone on one with his parents for a okay. birthday and he came back and said, you're going to love this. So I started researching and we went to the Caribbean and we did Orlando and the theme parks as well. And it was just unbelievable. In that one cruise? Yeah, we did three weeks. Okay, yeah, wow. Yeah. Um, what I love about them. So essentially, I could talk all day now, That's but okay. essentially, uh, <laughs> essentially they can be all inclusive, right? So mm-hmm. once you add a drinks package, if you're so inclined to have a drink, even non-alcoholic, um, you step on and you don't necessarily have to spend another cent on food or drink unless you want to do some of the upcharge restaurants. Um, and, and what you'll find is that value is very hard to match mm. on land considering everything else you're mm-hmm. getting. Um, on top of that, then you're in a floating resort and that can be a small luxury floating resort, anything up to a 7,000 passenger ship with all the bells and whistles you could think of, like rock climbing walls, surfing simulators, ice skating rinks. And have you done both? Yes, I have. I How have. much do you prefer? I love both, but I, I, I do I do think there is just a special place for the ones with all the action. Okay, <laughs> they so the are. big massive ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, look, I've, I've done the... The, I think the luxury, uh, you know, higher standard of food, different things like that can be lovely for honeymoons, more chilled, um, you know, slightly older clientele. Mm. I don't mean by any means old. And mm. I know that's probably the stereotype. Yeah, and while a lot of older people do enjoy cruises, I, I sell them for everything from young couples, honeymoons, families, you know, people whose kids have flown the nest all the way up. Um, the other reason I love them, you unpack once. Right. Okay. And, you're stopping somewhere almost every day, depending on where you are in the world. So it's so. like you're traveling without having to stick everything into the hundred percent. Yeah, even the logistics of getting yourself between some of these places without it would, you know, you wouldn't be able to manage it. Okay. Um, you have entertainment all day, every day, depending again on how lively of a of a ship that you pick. Um, and you know, you don't feel like, and I think that's one of the things that a lot of people are worried. You don't necessarily feel like you're on a ship or mm-hmm. or contained. Um, lots of wide open spaces you know it can take you a number of minutes to walk from one end to the other you still have your home comforts um, you know there's there's gyms there's spas there's there's pools so you can do as much on yeah. the ferry it's not a ferry I know that <laughs> as the, on the ship as you on do when you stop at the different places when yes. you did the Caribbean one apart from the States did you go to a number of islands then in the Caribbean yeah so in the Caribbean most cruises will be a week right okay. and most are out of Florida now I'm just generalising uh-huh. And they either go east or west in in the course of a week. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and most cruise lines have their own private islands that t- most that tends to be one of the stops if you go for longer I've also done southern um, and that took 10-11 days because you're you're moving mm. uh, down and you get to kind of some lesser known um, islands like but where you, so Aruba uh, Bonaire okay. Curacao they're called the ABC islands okay. absolutely beautiful yeah uh, or you can cruise out of places like Barbados and then you could be hitting the likes of St. Lucia one day and St. Nice. Kitts the next. Um, but they're just, I often have people come to me, uh, honeymoons, couples, families saying, I want this and he wants this. Mm. And I think they are the perfect middle ground because if you want to sit and have a cocktail and not move and knock it off, you do you. Okay. If you want the option <laughs> to do lots, you know, and, you know, have really good food and drink and overall really good value then that's there as well. Okay. And now your life has changed in the since in the eight years since you did your first cruise. You're a mum now. Yes. Would you do it with a small baby? I, I did toddler? already. Okay. Yeah. We and went last year. It was great. It okay. was amazing. Yeah. He was, Alfie, he was um, eight months old at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we cruised out of Southampton, which is uh, getting a lot busier for cruises. It's great. It's, it's an hour's flight. Mm. And we went down around the Canary Islands and we had an absolute ball. Okay, so you can even do that. You don't need to be flying to the Floridas and doing the big massive experiences. You can get on, go on the ferry over to South, get onto Southampton and do a cruise. And you can fly direct into Southampton. Okay. We, we flew direct in. That's, that's what I'm saying. That, like there might be a cruise for everyone, but almost everyone, I, I would definitely say that. Okay, well, you've given me some ideas for my <laughs> holidays 2023. If you want to get some ideas from Eleanor, um, travelercounselors.ie is the website you can do- go to. Eleanor is also on Instagram. If we give that out for people, it's Eleanor Roach, travel counsellor. And the counsellor is the one that spells C-O-U-N-S-E-L-L-O-R. Don't be looking for the other spelling. And she has... So many pictures of different holidays on her Instagram that it makes me very sad right now. <laughs> so you've really had the life and you really are. You're really plugging the cruise and how much you love it because you've got some fabulous photos up there. So that is Eleanor Roach, Travel Counselor, and it's travelcounselors.ie if you want to check out the website as well. Thanks so much for coming Thank in so this morning. Thank you so much for having me. It really is the time of the year that we want to be thinking about our holidays. And isn't it? So I'm sure you're very busy. Absolutely mental, but look, we love it. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It's a Sunday morning and you are listening to the Sunday Grill here on Beat 102-103. And Wexford artist Ben Hennessy is working with the award-winning Vault Comics on a new book. It's called Godfell. It's coming out towards the end of February. And Ben joins me on the Sunday Grill this morning with more details. You're very welcome, Ben. Oh, thanks for having me on the show, Orla. It's a pleasure to be here with you. No bother at all. Now, you're an illustrator and you've spent most of your career working in the animation industry and, and something I find really interesting, a storyboard artist and character designer. How does a character designer work when it comes to, are you drawing a character and deciding what their features are? Or how does that work? It generally involves a bit of a chat with, with the writer or, or a director to see what purpose this character has. And then you kind of do a bunch of iterations to see which way you want to go. Mm-hmm. Bit of an inside trick here. Always send on the director and your writer your favorite ones because you'd hate to pick the one you don't like and then you have to draw <laughs> that one. Um, but yeah, it's just a bit of um, kind of chat and go through. So if, if you, know, you, want to, you want to design a kind of an archetype character rather than a stereotype. So if you can kind of put a bit of yourself into a character, you kind of come away with something a bit more unique. And okay. uh, when you can give someone that kind of that aspect of it, they kind of buy into you a bit more then as well, you know. And it sounds like you have experience of sending people 
the stuff you don't like and then having to draw that for a long, a long time. I, I learned that one very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Is it not great so, doing something like that when you when you're not that interested in the character? It's it's just a bit like you, you do it because you're a professional. So you mm. see the job done, you know. Um, and you you tend to play towards your client a lot as well. But you you really should make sure that if you're going to be spending the hours that the job will require, you kind of want to be emotionally invested and interested in what you're doing. So this, to work on the ones you're more excited about is, is a clever way to go about that. And then where is work? Where does your work take place from day to day? Generally, it, it's it's all done at home. I have a studio here in the house. Um, I've always worked from home. Okay. Uh, was, this isn't a COVID uh, mm. change. This was something I've always done. And I've been, six, I think, 16 years in animation. And this is my first stint now into the comic book industry. Okay. Professionally, I've done stuff independently. Uh-huh. Um, but it always kind of involves me finding a space in in, in my house and, and just kind of putting in the hours until until the job is kind of finished. Okay, and you find you, um, do you get great lost to be home, in it actually. then? You, you get lost in that sort of a job, do you? Well, well, kind of. I think um, I don't know about everyone else, um, but I, I kind of find that I need I need a good block of time to get a considerable bit of work done. Mm. You know, like uh, if I had, I find if I have a block of four hours, it might take 40, 15 minutes to get into your kind of rhythm. So the first hour you might not produce much. The second hour, you're producing the better. The third hour, you're brilliant. The fourth hour, you're kind of winding down. So you, if I can kind of put that kind of time aside and get that that kind of four good four hours in, I, I produce something I can kind of, I can be happy with come the end of the day. Whereas when you have interruptions or you have um, maybe things that are, are dragging you out of the studio, mm. you could be 40 minutes trying to get into the zone. And, and then as soon as you get in there, you have to leave. Then you have to spend another 40 minutes trying to get back in. Um, so it's, yeah, I think I think trying to find that time to to sit down and, and just work is is an important one, especially when you're working from home. You know. Yeah, of course. And you said this is your first time working with comics in a, you know, not as a hobby. So this is your first entry into it. Yeah, this is um, and I'm very lucky that it's it's with not only with all comics who who have been fantastic and they've been looking after us, but to be co-creating Godfell with with writer Christopher Sabella, who's like. He's a four-time Eisner nominee. If you're not familiar with the Eisners, they're like the comic book Oscars. And to be as young as he is and to be nominated four times is is remarkable. So he clearly knows what he's doing. So to get to work with him and to get to work with, you know, a, a young but clearly very good uh, company like Vault has, mm. has just been a pleasure. So how did this all come about then? Oh, really randomly, actually. It was one of those moments where a writer puts out a call on Twitter and um, generally, I've replied to a lot of these and no one replies, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or, or you might get a like on your portfolio that you sent them. But um, I think I was one of the first to see Chris's request for an artist. Um, and almost as soon as I had replied, he kind of replied to me and it was kind of done after that. But in my my uh, pessimistic thinking maybe that this tweet wouldn't really come of anything. I think I said something jokingly while I sent them four pictures of, of something regarding fantasy because he mm. knew it was a fantasy book. And uh, all lo and behold, it worked out anyway, you know. Brilliant. So it's called Godfell. Yeah. And as you said, it is a fantasy book. Explain it to us. What is the plot behind it? And you're also the co-creator. So explain that to us too. We'll do. So I'll, I'll take the um, I'll take the synopsis of the book there first. Mm. Um, so that's a, 
So Godfell is set in this fantasy world of, of Carathim, and it starts off where a god of this vast fantasy world is, has crashed into the earth dead, and okay. war erupts over who will they claim to this, this immense corpse. Um, in the chaos of it all, there's one warrior who's just had enough of war. She's seen years and years of war, and she just decides she's going to leave the army and go home. But she's been a very gifted soldier, and uh, nothing's really put her off winning battles almost on her own. So she doesn't believe in taking the long way around. And the most direct route home is through the body of this giant god's corpse. Okay. So she'll fight all kinds of people and things, uh, see bizarre landscapes inside this god's corpse. And she'll take us all the way through from the soles of its feet to the top of its head. Now, I have looked through some of the comics uh, or the comic even. It's a number of issues, is it? It's a six issue series okay. and the first issue comes out, as you said, there at the end of February, 22nd okay. of February. I'm completely taken aback because I'm, I suppose I'm thinking about the amount of work you must put into it. Into how, like, it's not one page of illustration. There's so many boxes within every page. So you're doing each one of those, are you? Each one, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So... So Chris would come up with the script. We and this is the um, co-creation yeah. element of it, I guess, where we would um, we'd have a chat uh, as he's kind of working on a script. We see story points we can kind of go with, take um, uh, things we can use in later on in the book. Uh, what this issue in particular is supposed to feature on, maybe like what we both had in mind for it. So uh, any kind of references that we kind of thought would help, um, because as you kind of said, like there's. There's a lot of work. It takes about a day to, to draw a page. Wow. And how many pages and depending, are there? On the, in the first issue, there's 30. And wow. I think after that, we go down to 26. Wow. And, so uh, which is a bit more bang work, for really. your buck. Mm. It's a good, yeah, it's a lot of work. It, it's, 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 I think your usual comics about 20 or 22 pages. So you're almost getting seven issues out of us. Um, wow. Yeah. But it's, 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 it's given us a lot of time to explore this world and, each part of each issue kind of looks at a different part of the god's body. Okay. And it's been it's been a lot of fun to try and come up with, you know, what what the leg looks like in comparison to say the pelvis, and then what the difference from the pelvis to the guts, from the guts then to the lungs, the heart, the head. So it's, so it's been interesting trickish. to kind of. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've put so much time into. Um, trying to figure out, you know, what plant life would exist in this and, and what animals and insects exist in, inside the God's body. And so that's because how you're a fantasy the co-creator book, then, is it, that you're thinking of these things? Yeah, well, it's definitely something that both of us have, have, have worked on, but it, it's kind of an organic process in that when you come up with the initial idea and then you try to draft it out on paper as, as some kind of image, you, you might see things that need to be changed or something you can go down further or push further. Um, and we've both been kind of able to to put our work to each other, and and you know it's 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 that kind of industry where if you were a bit soft and not able to hear the good or the bad about your work, it might be very tough on you. But okay. we've been very able to hear like, oh, I don't like this one, maybe do that one instead, and it's or go that direction with the story. Let's let's do this with this thing that we mentioned earlier. It's been really easy to work with Chris and. Mm. Um, no one is a bit kind of precious about what we're putting out to each other. It's just we're just happy to kind of to put it out there. And there's been good reaction from the different websites that have seen it. It's been described as high fantasy on a scale you've never seen. And as you said, your first time illustrating fantasy. And was that just a completely different way of working for you then? 
it's been a hugely different uh, change in my day to day because I, I have been working primarily in 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 preschool shows. Okay. Um, there's a really, really strong animation industry here in Ireland, and, and that's where I've been spending my time. Mm. Um, and it's it's a big change to go from, um, you know, drawing uh, very happy things that, that are kind of maybe teaching children a lesson while trying mm. to entertain them to, to now drawing uh, this, this character, Zanzi, who's our lead, who's this absolute supreme, amazing action hero. I already believe her to be up there with the likes of Dutch from Predator. And and like you can't compare what they do, uh, what she does in our book, you know, and and all the kind of fights and the the amount of people she takes on with her axe in comparison to maybe the the fairies and and, and unicorns that I have been drawing professionally for sixteen years. Uh-huh. You know, it's been a big big change. Oh, it's so. It's been very enjoyable though. There's about there might be eight hundred images per per episode I'd put out wow. for an animation storyboard, and then this. It is five drawings per page, but mm-hmm. it's and they're probably rendered. They're they're definitely rendered um, far more uh, thoroughly than a loose storyboard. But it's it's given me another opportunity to to play into another realm of art that I, I have I have a real draw for. You know, brilliant. Well, it looks great. Um, it's called God Fell because literally a god fell. I presume that's what, what we're talking about here. Am yeah, I just, yeah, or am I just it. being too base about it all? No, no, you you got it. In okay, one. Yeah. <laughs> good stuff. It's out on February the twenty second. That's when it goes on sale. Issue one, that is. How can people get it if they want to go online or anything? How can they buy it? So you can get it a number of ways. Mm. You can get it in local bookshops. Go in and order Godfell by uh, published by Vault Comics created by Christopher Sabella and Ben Hennessy. Um, that'll kind of get you anywhere, really. I know the book centre in Wexford is is definitely selling it. Okay, good stuff. Um, um, and I'm also doing a signing in Dublin on the 25th of February for the launch of the book. And Brilliant. that'll be in the Big Bang in, in Dundrum, yeah. Okay, good stuff. And okay, so if you go to the book centres uh, or any good bookshop and see if they have it there, it is called Godfell, issue one of six issues or seven issues, did you say? Six, six, six. issues. And if you are putting in an order, the order needs to more or less go in kind of now. The, okay. The order for cutoff or the cutoff for order is the 23rd of January, okay. which is Monday. Okay. So, um, yeah. Okay, so bear that in mind. And then you are, as you said, at the Dublin signing at Big Bang in Dundrum. Ben, it was so lovely to talk to you. And thanks a million for bringing us into the world of fantasy comics with Godfell. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Let's head to Wexford. And Wexford actor Paul Walsh is bringing the ancient stories of the Viking town to life with Wex Walks. He's telling stories of ghostly graveyards, local characters in just over an hour of entertainment with this history buff. And Paul is on the Sunday Grill this morning to tell us just a smidgen of those stories. You're very welcome, Paul. Hello, Orla. Thanks for having me on. No bother at all. So you are an actor and a history buff. That's it. Well, I I originally was going to go into history and then I fell in love with the theatre thing, Arliss. So I went into theatre in the end. But Wexvox has been an excuse for me to look back into history and to fall in love with it all over again. And because it's a live tour and I'm the tour guide, it's a performance as well. So it really floats all my boats, it's I have to say, Arla, and I've really enjoyed doing it. So, yeah, so we started last summer here in Wexford Town uh, in June and I thought I might get three or four weeks out of it 
and I was up to my eyes until November wow. uh, and I had to put a stop to it for Christmas and then we started back again last week so it's really been fantastic uh, to be part of it and to see the people in town embrace it and of course the tourists as well as they come in. Now you have a bit of a treasure trove when it comes to Wexford Town and history don't you? Yeah well we really do I, I don't think a lot of people realise outside of Wexford Town how important the place was firstly to the Vikings of course same as Beautiful Waterford, when the Norse came here, uh, they wanted three strands of the Viking harpies. That's what they said. So they took Dublin and they made Waterford, of course. And then they looked at a little swamp in the corner of the country, uh, which is called uh, Loch Gorman in Irish. And they changed that name to Wastefjord, the deeper dark pools, because the water all around here was about 80 or 90 feet deep at the time. And it was perfect for Viking ships. So that's so what Wexford is, Wastefjord. I am from County Wexford and I never knew that. The deeper, there you dark go, Wastefjord, yeah, W-E-I-S-S-F-J-O-R-D. And it, it literally got anglicised over the years and that was it. And if anyone knows Wexford Town out there, the water used to come up as far as the Bullring, pretty much where the Pikeman statue is now. That's where the old medieval keyfront would have been. So basically the Normans started to fill it in and reclaim the land. Uh, back in the 10th century and that was a project that didn't finish until 20 years ago with the new marina so it was a thousand years so that's a long time project early I have to say isn't it really but uh, it really is. that's what they did and we're but we're so lucky in Wexford um, you can see it's a Viking town because of the lanes and the same as, as Waterford we have a lot of Viking names like Kayser's Lane still in town and we actually have original medieval lanes at Kayser's Lane looks pretty much like it did a thousand years ago. Uh, we have all our medieval graveyards uh, in town uh, that survived from, say, the 16th century on. There were more that are probably under houses and all now. But as part of the tour, I bring people into various different graveyards, one of which is St. Patrick's, where the church was made by a medieval knight called William Marshall, who was the first ever Earl of Pembroke. Mm -hmm. And he was married to a woman called Isabel de Clare, who was the daughter of Strongbow. So that all ties into the Norman invasion, of course, which Wexford was right in the centre of, as was Waterford. Uh, so we go there and we go into St. John's Graveyard, which was uh, basically under the protection of the Knights Hospitallers. So we go into all that and the history of hospitals and how they tied into Wexford as a key front and all that sort of stuff. Uh, that graveyard also contains the grave of John Redmond, mm -hmm. who was the most famous MP for Wexford and Waterford there ever was. Okay. And as I always say to the kids, there's a different uh, version of history where World War One didn't happen and John Redmond would have got home rule back in 1914 and he would have been the first uh, Prime Minister of an Irish free state and everybody would know who he was. Yeah. And because World War One broke out and that got taken off the table and he was dead by the end of the war, he's kind of been forgotten. But uh -huh. there's all those great what-ifs in history. And, and of is that how far you're highlight. going up now? Are you go you're going from a thousand years back up until the 20th century or do you go closer yeah, to now like, like, or...? Uh, no, we we kind of we get we get up about as far as the nineteen twenties, really. Okay, good stuff. Um, I kind I kind of finish it with when we get the home rule. There will be later on this year. I'm hoping to do a civil war tour uh, and also a dedicated seventeen ninety eight rebellion tour as well. Now I do talk it a bit on this tour about seventeen ninety eight and the rebellion, particularly the Battle of Wexford, because we actually walk the route of the Battle of Wexford as part of the walk between graveyards so you do learn some of it but I'd like to go into more detail I mean you could do a 37 hour tour on, yeah. on 1798 Rebellion really if could. you wanted to yeah. and what sort and of people course, go on your tour Paul then so, so it's a real mix like I've had people from 
Japan. I've had people from Sweden. I've had couples in their 90s. I've had children, of course. Schools come to me all the time. Um, I've had uh, visually impaired groups. I've had uh, groups with hearing loss, all that sort of stuff. Or that's been a really, really mixed bag of people. And from mostly across tourists, the though, or do any local people come no, to your tour? It's about half and half. Okay. I w- I'm really surprised about the amount of extra people that have come on it and are just fascinated by their own town. Like, what example is uh, when it's open, we go into St. Iberius Church, which is the uh, Church of Ireland Church here in mm-hmm. Wexford, on the main street, who love visitors. And to a man, really, bar a couple. None of them have ever been in there. Okay, yeah. And it's literally in the middle of the main street. It's it's uh, right down by the bullring. You walk by it every day. People look up at the clock tower to see what time it is. And they just haven't gone over the threshold of that church. And you go in and there's memorials to a lot of the big famous uh, Church of Ireland families, of course, who were the landowners in town. There's a massive rich tapestry of history in that building. Uh, all on the walls and within the walls is fascinating and people haven't seen it even with the graveyards like I had a group up in South Scrabby um, a couple of weeks ago which has a massive amount of history in it as you probably know mm-hmm. yeah. and there was two townies there who had never been through the gate before <laughs> and do you intend to go further in the field than Wexford Town with your tours I probably will at some stage I mean I just think the whole county is is an undermined tourist destination particularly for heritage like if you think about it the whole hook way should really be the ring of curry mm-hmm. in my opinion it should be our ring of curry yes curry has the mountains yes curry has the lakes that place has all that and it has the norman invasion of ireland it has the oldest lighthouse in europe it has ireland's most haunted house in loftus hall it has a templar church which has a rich history and loads of superstition about it being one of the places where either the Holy Grail or the head of John the Baptist was kept and that that's what brought the supernatural hooju to Hokkaid, which it has so many stories of. It has ancient bays uh, and it's just now used for tourism. So it needs a man who knows his history to buy a bus and bring people around there. That could be your next thing. It really thing. does. You just need a bus. It really ball. does. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to get down that far because <laughs> it's just amazing. Like that whole thing. I mean, all the 1798 sites council done a great job on those with signage and all that stuff but to get to them there's not a route yet yeah for that and i mean there's nothing better like i always find you could talk to kids in a classroom about the vikings but if you look at kaiser's lane and i talk about the vikings and the way the town worked well i call them the norse of course the vikings was a made-up word from the 70s and it just caught on but the, the norse really were responsible for for things like uh Lots of stuff like streets. A modern street is really an arse invention. Before that, houses were very much detached. They were the first people really to put houses back to back. For instance, Nature Road would have had a, would have had a chief. So you would have mind got minded by all the, the adults there if you were a kid. There was great home care. Uh, there was internal hygiene, even though by our standards, it would have been absolutely disgusting. <laughs> there were reaching towards a modern society. And that's what's really fascinating about yeah, the Vikings. So and of course, then the Normans come here. And I love the Normans. Like People always go on about the Romans. When people talk about who were the greatest military force in the world before guns and modern warfare, people go on about the Romans. For my money, it's the Normans any day long. Okay, why is that? Well, they took what the Vikings had, which was that passion, physicality, because they had come from Viking stock and they mixed with French stock. So they took all the medieval chivalry stuff that 
you know, was, was famous in France and England and Germany and all those areas. And they mixed it with the Viking idea of, of you know, it being brave to die in battle. And in fact, you went to heaven if you died in battle. Uh, and they put together a military force like the world had never seen. They were technologically advanced. Crossbows, uh, you know, uh, steel, iron swords, their armor, chain mail, the way they used horses, uh, the way they, u- they used uh, walls for defense. I mean, what we think of as the medieval world, in my opinion, really was created by the Normans. Wow. Like if you see, uh, if you see any sort of, you know, film like Robin Hood and all that, like they're all medieval castles. Do you know? True. Everywhere is a, a medieval castle, and and it's there uh, in Wexford and, and Town for people to have a look at as well. So yeah, it's really on our doorstep castles. to see and that. I, it is. And an interesting fact that the kids love about about Norman castles and Norman towers. We look at them now, Ireland, of course, they're, you know, stone and brick and all the rest of it. And what we forget is that back in the day, they would have been whitewashed. And the Normans love bright colours. So Norman castles would have been blues and pinks and yellows and greens. Like, they loved a bit of colour. Yeah, and they're, they're, I never knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they, they, they loved a bit of colour. And they're, I mean, their they're clothes, they were the first people since the Egyptians and the Romans really, they were the first medieval peoples I suppose, that really cared about colour and clothes and okay. you know uh, p- particularly the rich, you know uh, purple was a huge thing, gold was a huge thing, red and blues because they were they were vibrant unusual colours back yeah. then you know. Well there you go, you spoke and, to me for 10 minutes and I know more about the history of Wexford than I ever knew before so you must, what is it about 75 minutes your walking tour? Yeah, it was meant to be an hour, Arla, but I've never shut up in an hour. <laughs> I get that, Paul. I get that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're back oh, open yeah. after Christmas time, is that right? And you're doing Wednesday we're, to Friday. We're doing Wednesday to Saturday at the moment. Okay. So it's week weekdays at half three and Saturdays twelve and a half two. But at the moment, folks, and I'm on Instagram and Facebook, Wexbox. Okay. Uh, also, my number is on Airbnb and all that stuff. Okay. Just give me a ring because at the moment. I'm only uh, turning up for pre-bookings on weekdays. So someone rings me, I'll be down in the bull ring at that time for them. Okay. And then I will be there in the bull ring dressed in my full Norman gear oh. at 12 o'clock and half two on Saturdays. Colourful, I hope. Uh, oh, absolutely. And it has the, the Knights of Spittler cross on it and all the rest of it. And we'll go and we'll have some fun Brilliant. and explore Wexford Town. So there you go. You, you cannot miss him. Um, Wex Walks, if you search for it on Instagram, Facebook. Also, if you stick it into Google, it will come up as the first website. And as Paul said, all his numbers and his Gmail is on there as well. If people want to do like a small tour just among themselves, can they give you a buzz to do that too? Absolutely. I love, I have every morning of the whole week free. So if people want to, and evenings as well. So if people want to do private tours, as long as there's two people plus in your group, I do private tours and it's the very same price as a public tour. It's not anymore. So... Good if stuff. people want to come along do, and I do great rates for schools as well if people want to bring school, school groups too. Brilliant. That is Paul Walsh and he is telling you things you did not know about Wexford Town with Wex Walks if you want to search for that or check him out on Instagram and Facebook. And Paul, thanks a million for joining me on the Sunday Grill this morning. Thanks very much, Arla. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103.
B102 and 03, it is a Sunday morning. I hope you're doing well. And let's talk movies. And the creators of the science fiction horror film, Megan, have got the elements of an eerie couple of hours in the cinema right anyway. Take a weird doll, a sad child, and you've got the makings of horror moments galore. But does it work? Brian went to see Megan, or Model 3 generative android. He's on location this morning. Let's have a listen before he tells us more. And I don't have my clips, so here we go. Ever since I was little, I dreamed of this perfect toy that would protect a kid from ever feeling lonely or sad. This is Megan. Hi, Megan. I'm Katie. It's nice to meet you, Katie. Do you want to hang out? Does she talk? Make her say something. Stop! Don't! Megan! You should probably run. Megan, she pushed Brandon onto the road. I won't let anything harm you. <gasps> Megan, turn off. Recalibrating response model. <laughs> there you go, that is Megan with a three instead of an E. Brian is on location because he's so fancy. Yeah, wh- when am I not on? Fancy or on location? Both. Oh. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> It's weird not having I'm you here you. in studio this morning. I know, I'm sure I'll be back next week. Okay, good stuff. Um, I watched the trailer of this as usual, um, and this felt like a Brian movie to me. Yeah, well, in what way? Just That's that you like to say that horrors don't scare you, that you find them a bit funny in some ways. You see the humour in it, and I could imagine you seeing a bit of the humour in this. Jorla. Many times, many times you've been wrong, and this time you've absolutely nailed it. You I really swear to God, gave a compliment I, and took away a compliment there in that sentence. I know, but no, like you absolutely, absolutely, like literally, I went into this. Like I remember seeing the trailer and looking kind of like weird, and I was like, oh, okay, what's this gonna be? And um, myself, my one of my friends went to it at like half ten, and we, we didn't know what we were gonna do. We went to this. We honestly, we. We honestly thought it was just going to be something to pass the time, realistically. And we had an absolute ball at that. Really? Uh, I was laughing the whole movie. Now, it probably wasn't supposed to be. Inappropriate laughing. But I laughing. thought it was hilarious. It was, uh, like, look, it was, it's it's one of those movies, it felt like one of those kind of classic 80s, 90s mm. horror movies where it's like, it doesn't take itself too seriously, do you know? Okay. It's like this serious thing, but at the same time, it's silly. So it's like, it's never trying to be anything more than a good time, if that makes sense. So this but, game... Uh, yeah, then I started laughing and, and, and people the people around worried. me started... No, no, they kept, like, saying things. So, like, someone would walk into a room and someone would go, I would not have got in there. And then I'd start <laughs> laughing and then they'd start laughing. And I felt like they kept trying to say things and they start laughing. I, I am that soldier who says, I wouldn't have gone in there. I get very scared. Um, the yeah. reason why this might feel like an 80s or 70s type of horror is because it's from the people... Who brought a saw and insidious, the conjuring, um, and then the Halloween films as well. Did it feel like any of those? Was it that kind of people would say it's a top notch horror? I don't know whether that's top notch horror. It, like I'm 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 the worst, like the worst person when it comes to horror, as you know, but like it's it's for me it was a, a, an entertaining movie. It wasn't trying to like be anything more than you go to something with your friends and 
one of your friends jumps and you laugh some kind of a movie you know <laughs> yeah it's like it's not like like let's say get out is is a kind of a more serious yes. horror Makes thriller it's like yeah. has a message and it's like it's really invests you mm. this is the kind of one that like you throw on some night and you have like you have a good time while you're watching it okay it's, and it's nothing more than that give us the plot then for people who haven't seen the trailer for this so Megan is like an artificial AI doll that learns as 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 it exists. It like picks up on things and like learns from experiences and what it's told and stuff. And basically, it goes rogue as <laughs> as a classic. All these things classically do, mm-hmm. and um, may or may not start killing people in the process. So, you know, these things happen. So she has she befriends a little girl, and I really do find. Both dolls and children terrifying in horrors. I'm thinking of horrors like uh, just in general yeah, as well. <laughs> like orphan. Do you remember the orphan or orphan that freaked yeah, the yeah. living daylights out of me? And then when I was watching the trailer, this just gave me elements of the ring or something like that. But I think it's the way that she crawls towards people. Um. So yeah. t- she befriends a little girl who's lost her family. Is that right? Yeah, so this little girl has, has has been orphaned and she's now living with her aunt. And Her aunt is the scientist person that's working on this doll in the toy kind of development place. Okay, and that is um, Alison Williams, who people might remember was in Girls, Lena Dunham's HBO yeah. series. So she's very recognisable. And she's in Get Out as well. She like, was so in she, Get Out as well, She has the, the yes. horror experience. Yeah, she does. But like she's, she's kind of like, they they want to hold off from doing the AI. They're only kind of testing, but it's being pushed out to a wider market. It's it's one of those classic things. It's it's like a classic horror trope, and I feel like they they kind of embraced horror tropes of this is the wrong decision to make. Do you know, instead of being like everyone always makes the correct decisions, they kind of left it be silly. Do okay. you know, like like people get caught, and I I don't know. I feel like it just embraced kind of classic horror I feel like it is going to become one of those kind of cult horror movies that people will love it. and like some people will absolutely hate it but some people will just love it and it's like it's not going to be the scariest movie of all time but it could be people's favourite ones you know and the even the doll has the kind of a face of Chucky a prettier Chucky almost yeah so I think I'm pretty sure it's like just like a girl like a little an acrobat and she has like this this plain mask over her face and it looks it looks creepy. It does look really creepy, and her hands as well. Like that look really like she really does look like one of those doll things. But then it yeah. starts moving. You're like, is this is terrifying in a small in a way like you know? So yeah. I thought it was like really well done. And obviously, like it wasn't like really CGI heavy or anything. It was just like a girl in a mask, which is a classic horror movie. Oh, really, totally classic horror movie. Now I know you're a laugher during horrors, but any jump moments for you? Uh yeah, there was there was one or two moments now where there was a little bit of a scream from people in the audience at a jump. Okay, but it wasn't it wasn't relying on it either, like you know. Okay, and a bit gory from the bits I saw as well. Yeah, it yeah, it definitely it definitely doesn't hold back when it comes to gore at some stages, but uh yeah, it's it's one of those things as well where the gore is is not like you you can't help but look at it. Yes, it's 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 one of those kind of fun ones okay although there was a moment with the nail gun that I did not want to see oh yeah you know that yeah yeah that's not for me that's the reason I don't yeah. go to these sort of movies okay this is the first horror that we have talked about in a long time yeah see I I just feel like the, the they either go really dark and it's like it's like a barbarian came out last year now and it's like a really 
kind of dark intense movie and it was good to be fair but mm. like these kind of light horror movies mm. don't really seem to be coming around that often because it is since like i'd say get out i suppose it's gone towards the more kind of like spread a message while you're doing it like the halloween movies came out but wasn't a big fan of them not they just yeah they like they just seemed to everything seems to be like pushing out and getting another sequel from a franchise rather yeah, than true. original stuff more than anything and also oh. it, it Although it is a little bit gory, it lacks the gore of things like Saw, I'd say. You know, sometimes they yeah, yeah. go really over the top with stuff. And that's, you know, I don't go to horrors very often. They absolutely terrify me. But it's not the gore I'm after when I do. It's the supernatural eeriness of a doll who turns yeah. rogue. That would really freak me out. Yeah, and it's like, it's it's kind of perfectly timed because AI has kind of been taking over the conversation over the last like couple of weeks and months. So it's, it's like... A perfectly time for this AI thing to go out of control, uh-huh. to start killing. I say, yeah, it was we'll like, just like, a I simple, told you, simple I told concept. you so. There you go. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, and it was it was just a simple movie executed well, and that's like you can't you can't complain about that. Yeah, exactly. Let's black pudding it. Uh, it is called Megan with a three that I keep having to say, but basically, I'm sure if you looked up Megan the movie, you'd find it. Yeah. It's like a three instead of the it's mm. classic. Uh, I give I give it like a, a seven out of ten. Okay. I actually really enjoyed it. I had a fun time with it, like you know. Yeah, that's you can't what really... the movies is all about. Exactly. Exactly. Were you thinking about it afterwards? Ah, uh, like there wasn't any. Like we were thinking about how how much of a good time we had at it. Mm. We weren't mm. really thinking like, oh wow, actually. Yeah. I'm what happens really if I had a doll well, that came real? My life real. has changed. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I don't buy dolls anymore. Yeah. Ireland, well, exactly, case, Brian. Right? Exactly. A solid <laughs> seven black puddings out of ten for Megan, starring Alison Williams. There's really no one else I recognised within it, although it has a long enough cast in it. Um, but yeah, Ron, Ronnie Cheng when I was in uh, okay. Shang Chi and he was in Crazy Rich Asians. Okay. So I, like I recognised him, but I had to had to look him up at the same time. Okay. But uh, yeah, apart from that, there wasn't really any. There's like no celebrity kind of cameo or anything. To be fair. All right, good stuff. If you like laughing during horror movies, this might be the one for you. Brian gives it a seven out of ten. Brian, we'll see you back here in person next week. I hope. We will indeed. Lovely. Looking forward to it. talk to you then. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103.